The reviews are in, and Secrets is a hit. Listeners have described Secrets as priceless information, a personal cheat sheet, and binge-worthy career advice. And Season 3 promises to bring you even more secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get that coin. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to Season 3. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Secrets. Hey, KP, what's what's up, man? I mean, I'm just excited. We have a lot of momentum over here with Secrets right now. We Lots sure do. of stuff going on. We sure do, no doubt. And I figured we'd tee up today's episode by reading an email we received recently from one of our listeners. And it goes like this. Hey, Keith and Ricky, I love your podcast and feel like I have a virtual mentor and coach with me every week. Your advice is so real and so spot on. I was hoping you could help me with the question I have. I've been sitting at the salary band just below the level of being an executive for six years. Mm. I just can't seem to break through, even though my experience is good, my performance is good, and I feel like I've been checking all the boxes. Of course. And I've seen people who are less experienced than me reach the executive level, and that is frustrating to see. What should I be doing to become a vice president and reach the executive ranks? Thanks for any advice you have. So look, man, that's a brave question from one of our Secrets listeners and a very common question that we get asked, you know, every day. So so number one, I appreciate them for exercising that bravery. Yeah, for sure. Because we've both been in situations. We've been there. We've been there. (laughs) So look, KP— you and I have been uh, both been in the same place, and it can often appear as though like the goalpost is moving all the time. You know, Lucy because, in the football, exactly because you've continued to perform in your role as people like to call it the table stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but have not been able to get across the goal line. Yeah, I'm doing all of this stuff, business is going well, but I can't get across the goal line, or it could seem like the goal is elusive. It may never actually occur. Right. But I can honestly say that if your goal is to be a VP or get to the C-suite, it can happen. It can. It can. Hey, we're living proof that it can happen. <laughs> Absolutely. At the end of the day. So in today's episode, we will define what a vice president is and we'll share our stories on when we first reached the executive or VP level. We will talk about the struggles underrepresented employees face in getting to the executive ranks. We will provide some receipts on the realities faced by underrepresented employees and reaching the executive ranks. And we'll close out today with a double dose of secrets on what you can do to get executive ready and what companies can do to help underrepresented employees reach the top. Yeah, so look, man, this is going to be an action-packed. <laughs> it is. Know, There's a lot here. Packed episode. It's be fun today. You know, and as I'm kind of thinking about, you know, maybe level setting, you know, just a bit, a little bit here when, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, when you're a VP win. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, so KP, look, a lot of people get confused about what a VP or an executive really is. Really is. Okay, because again, you could work in some like the banking industry or you could work in something else where 
everybody's a VP. Oh, yeah. You, you That's know, just like, a clown So show. it's a little bit like convoluted, you mm-hmm. know, to some degree. For sure. But there are a lot of people out there with, with VP titles, but they ain't really VPs. Mm, okay. Really. Yeah. When we say VP, we mean reaching the executive ranks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's play that game again. Yeah. You know, again, I know a lot of y'all liked it. So we was like, we let's sure bring did. it back. We're bringing it back so already. <laughs> you know, you're a VP win. Okay. Uh-huh. So I'll take the first one here. Mm-hmm. So you know you're a VP when the numbering or the lettering changes on that salary band. Uh-huh. We, <laughs> and we all know it, right, Ricky? Yeah. I, I can tell you just today, you know, just looking back at my experience, it's like, okay, we had odd numbers, yep. you know, when you like middle level. But then once you reach that executive level, it changed to even numbers. Yep, right. And that's right. all you wanted to do is get to that even number. It could be like VP1, VP2, it could be VP3. All it could be like, you know, just all kind of little things that you that you see next to it. Mm-hmm. But that's when you know you're a VP when that lettering and that numbering starts to change a bit. No doubt. And you also know you're a VP when... You're actually designing the strategic plan for your function, and you have a team of people who are tactically executing against your plan that mm-hmm. you help develop, right? You're actually the functional leader in a business unit, or you're the leader of a major sub-function within the function, such as, you know, in finance, you could be the treasurer, you could be leading FP&A, HR, you could be leading the leadership and development team or working on compensation and benefits. You are the last person in the chain when it comes to that expertise. So so the responsibility, so we're like this is big when we're talking about the difference between strategic your responsibilities and tactical yes. responsibilities. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if you write the strategy and, and it fails, they're coming to you. Yeah, they're coming to you. Because when they t- come to the person who tactically executed against it, they just say, hey, I did what I was told. Well, that's told <laughs> <laughs> by that Negro over there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I think that's a good one. I think you also know you're a VP when your total salary is structured like a VP Yes, with salary bonus, and multiple levels of long-term incentive. Yes, and right? multiple is the key word in that whole thing. Absolutely. You think about it is in regular line-level positions, sometimes you don't get the right bonus and there are no stock options. When you start to get to director and above, you get some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but compared to the VP, it's just a fraction of that yeah, that's stuff. That's right, that's right. It all starts to multiply real, real fast. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, when you know what other people get versus what you're getting, and I'm not talking about an individual, I'm talking about the levels. Yes. And you say, man, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have been able to get that. They couldn't even get that. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, it starts to make you think a little bit I'm different. sitting here helping them get W's on the board. Right, right. Another one, Ricky, you know you're a VP when you're invited into the room to assist in the planning of the annual operating plan for the year. AOP. Right. And more importantly, you help them with the five year strategic plan. So you really getting to influence how the company runs at this point. Yep. And yep. having some say in what the goals are and how the company's gonna move in the next year, the next five years. You involved in the, the strategic sausage making. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. You you impacting people and their livelihoods. This is when you start making decisions on, hey, we're not hitting AOP, you know, the annual operating plan. Mm-hmm. We might have to do a hiring freeze. Right. We might have to do a, a potential riff or reduction in force. That's right. 
Like there's well, on a the whole flip side, we we need to grow by twenty five percent and get some new talent in here, right? Or the only way that we can grow to meet those that five year strategic plan is we might have to do a, a strategic acquisition. Yep, that's right. I mean, some of those things happen. They, you know? they, they totally or, do. Or we so far behind, we might have to do a divestiture. Yes. That's right. I mean, these are but, all but those decisions. are those big decisions. They don't go to the line level or to the floor nope. to make these decisions. They make these in that room. That's why you make the big bucks, as they say. Yeah, the pressure is on. So you also know you're a VP when you're in the room when those succession planning discussions are taking place about who will be getting the promotions and where you will go to find like future talent. So yeah. as we're talking about like these five year plans. The reality might be that the talent that we currently have on board mm-hmm. can't do what we need done in three to five years. Yep. So either we have time to train them up, That's or right. we might have to be able to go find a, find a, that talent, find that talent elsewhere, or we may have to acquire that company who has that talent. Mm-hmm. You know that we need. All so those again, these are decisions that happen in that VP room. Yes. That's right. You're a big dog then. And finally, you know you're a VP when you're designated as a Section 16 officer. Uh-oh, that's Uh-oh. a new word. A new word for y'all <laughs> people. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. Or you're designated as a corporate insider. And all that means is that you hold material information for the company at this point that can move the stock market, that can move markets, that can move an industry. And so you have to be protective of that information. And at this point, you're subject to blackout periods associating with your with your long-term incentive and how you're able to buy and sell stock and all those types of things. So at this point, you locked in. Mm-mm-mm. Section 16, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So look, Keith, I mean... Now, you know I'm a little fragile when we start talking about, like, my first experience as a VP as it relates to total compensation. Uh-huh. Now, if some of y'all remember, you know, season one when I was talking about how jacked up things were when I finally got that VP nine. And you were happy? Man, I was so happy. about Look, I was making plans, right? Yeah. But, man, that situation was so jacked up with the total compensation and the perks that were associated with the role, it was like not cool at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember asking, and I know I know this is gonna sound crazy when I start talking That's about right. this to people. You gonna sound privileged. Yeah, right, right. But go. it's like a Smokey said in Friday, it's the principality, you know, of the thing, right? <laughs> so I remember asking for two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars and they offered me one eighty five. Now, I did my research. I knew what you I was knew. supposed to get. You knew. So they asked me for 185 okay? We finally settled on 200 k Okay. Okay, 200 k mm-hmm. Then I was supposed to, like, you know, with that 200 k I was also supposed to get a car allowance and a nice bonus. And let me tell you, that shit didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it did not happen. Let Bait me tell you. Bait and switch. Man, I went from test driving that big body Jag... <laughs> And making plans for my money, okay, to just licking my wounds and keeping Big Red as my mode of transportation and waiting for that next C-suite level opportunity. There you go. We know Big Red. Hey, hey, she's still out there right still now. Still out there right yeah, now. I saw it the other day. I know I, she got a little dirt on her, but hey. Dirt. I saw it the other day, She, she run fine, She run fine. I love some Big Red. <laughs> and Ricky... You know, my VP story is a little different than that one. You know, I first became a VP in, I remember the day, April 
2004. <laughs> I became a VP, right? And I was actually promoted into that role when my predecessor had that executive salary grade band. But I was not given that right out the gate. You want you to prove yourself. That's right. I, I was told it was probably going to take like six to nine months for it to happen. Just be patient. Just be patient. But I kept the faith. Mm-hmm. But I also applied a little pressure in the system. Make sure they didn't forget a brother. You're right, right. You know, every now and then, I'm like, what about? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is what we talked about. But I remember when the moment came, I was both relieved and I was elated, right? I was mm-hmm. very excited to have that opportunity because I had made it then. And fortunately for me, my career kind of went in overdrive after that. So at the end of 2004, I received the Chairman's Leadership Award, which is like the highest award that the company mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, gave out to people. And a few weeks later, that's when I was tapped to become Chief of Staff to the CEO. Okay. Right? But stepping back, I mean, you think about all of the little sponsorship steps that yep. had to happen to make that happen. And I know we talk about sponsorship all the time and keep harping on it, but it would not have happened. <laughs> None of that would have happened between getting the promotion, getting to the executive level, even getting the, the chairman's leadership award right. because that requires sponsorship because that's really had to nominate you. all the executives. Right. The executives are the only people that can nominate other executives for that shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like all that stuff just kind of plays into it. And even getting tapped on the shoulder for the chief of staff. It's just sponsorship, 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 yep, yep. sponsorship. So well look, man, I mean I think that's a cool story. And I think that uh waiting, being patient, yes, was key for you, but it's a familiar story, you know, yes. that we that that we hear. Absolutely. Because you know? some people get stuck and they don't ever get that get that tap on the shoulder. But I they, got it. They still still waiting, right? Still wait. So look, man, KP, getting to the C suite can seem like you're chasing a damn mirage that looks like water at times. So ride with me for a minute as I set this scene. Okay. So I like, got to ride dirty. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, so now look, y'all, y'all know how I get, right? I mean, I, my imagination runs over, you know, sometimes, <laughs> okay? So you're in the desert, stranded, and you've been walking for hours, and you're looking for some water. Mm. You're on your last leg, and you think you see something that looks like blue, refreshing water. <laughs> okay? Man, you muster up enough energy to get to that water. Struggling. But you but you, you getting there because you see you it. Okay? Like, you see it. You know? It's like you're high-stepping like you're in the marching band on the way to that water. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you see it. And on your way to that water, boy, you, you're thinking about... Ooh-wee, when I get to that water, I'm going to drink it. I'm going to swim in it. You know, matter of fact, I'm just going to wiggle my toes in it. And be fine. Man, you you making plans. But to your disappointing surprise, when you finally get to what you thought was water, it's nothing but more damn sand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? More damn. This is the hope. This is the patience right here, yes, right? This, this is, is you getting tested. In fact, it ain't just sand. It's quicksand. Okay, and you need to figure out if you're going to sink or keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Now, I use that example. Now, I know it might be a little comical, but I use that example because getting to the C-suite can feel like you are chasing a doggone mirage and killing your mind and or selling your soul. To get to that level. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt. And it's so true because there is 
so many obstacles, especially for underrepresented employees getting to that executive level. Yeah. And as you think about it, I mean, we'll talk about a couple here, some of those obstacles. And again, we're going back to sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. It it it, right? it, it means everything. Because that is the key to mm. getting to the executive ranks is really about sponsorship. Because there's only so many slots that are out there. Yeah. And so you got to have that sponsorship in order to get to that ranks. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, the sponsorship, as we talk about it all the time, we, we said this is one of the number one questions that we get all the time mm-hmm. about being sponsored. We talk about, as we talked about in, in, in episode one of season three, about being sponsor ready. Yep. The same thing we talked about, you know, last week on NPR, where I think it was a couple yep. of weeks ago on NPR, when we were talking about the importance of being sponsor being ready. Being sponsor ready. So it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. Okay. So so again, this is an issue that's faced by underrepresented employees, especially trying to get to the VP level. Mm-hmm. I think another one is like lack of coaching and development. Yeah. Like, again, you might do some of your research, you know, on things, but you may not know how to ask for it. How to ask for it. You know, how to advocate for yourself. You may, your delivery you know, maybe off. That's right. You know, and, a little bit. And companies aren't very good at providing that for you. Yeah. At the end of the day, right? Because mm-hmm. again, people are like picking people that look like them, act like them, people that they're comfortable with. So they're not even thinking about developing you or coaching you on how to break through. Yeah. I mean, I just go back to conversations that I had when I thought I was going to get 225 and I thought I was going to get that that car allowance. Look, I had already been test driving. No, nah, you were ready. Damn, Jack. I was sitting on that leather, man. I mean, look, I got leather in, in Big Red, but compared to the leather that was in that Jag, that's what, totally different. Like, like that leather in Big Red kind of felt like baboon ass yes, compared to that leather right. in that Jag. That's right. right. You had that lambskin leather in the Jag. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I'm going to get this thing. But in, 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 in essence, what I really needed was some coaching mm-hmm. and some development on how to ask for those things because I assumed that they were going to give it to me because mm-hmm. this is what you give all VPs. Exactly. But, but if, it, no. They're not all created equal. And again, we talk about closed mouths not getting fed. My mouth wasn't open because I didn't know what to ask didn't for. There was no coaching for. and development for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And that leads to another point. We face an issue around just lack of role models. Being what right? you can see. That's right. If you can't see it, you don't understand that it's there. And that's mm-hmm. what's so important in this whole conversation is if you don't see yourself or see someone like you in that position already, it's hard for you to even imagine. It's even hard for you to see that mirage yeah. or the desert or what in, in the desert because there's nobody there. Yeah. And look, and this is what we talk about on Secrets so much. And I know that corporate America in their, in their secret society way is not happy that we're giving up these secrets. That's right. <laughs> okay, they, they're absolutely not happy. But again, when we're talking about, you know, lack of role models, we're trying to be that which you can achieve. We're trying to provide to you some of those secrets so that you know that there are people who look like you and are getting it. Are getting it. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm and saying? that's why we're bringing them to the podcast also. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, so you can see that there are folks there. Look, Keith, I mean, you and I talked about this in another episode, man. We talked about the external static. Oh, that was way back at the beginning. Yeah, we talked about the way external back. static, man. And that inability to commit the time and the effort needed to get to the C suite or to the VP level 
is a major, major issue. Yeah. It's a major issue. And again, sometimes you got people talking to you like, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. If they ask you to work after hours, I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Or if you need to do it. And honestly, we're talking about doing more than the table stakes. Yes. And if you want to get to the next level, you got to do a little bit more than what other people are doing. Everybody can't be Jordan. That's right. You know, everybody can't do Jordan. What we don't see is how much he was practicing behind the scenes, you know, or for some of the younger people would just say LeBron, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Everybody can't be LeBron, you know, there's a lot going on there to maintain that work ethic, to maintain that body, that Mm -hmm. performance, all of that. But again, all that external static, everything else you got going on, got you don't going on. You don't put that in its proper place, and it keeps you away from being able to commit to and put the time in to be able to get to your ultimate aspiration. Absolutely, it can hold you back, and yeah. it holds a lot of us back because it, it's a lot going on outside of work. Hey, for it us, held, it held me back a long time. For us, <laughs> I'm gonna just say that <laughs> another another barrier uh, why we can't break through is really just a simple lack of opportunity to showcase our skills and leadership ability, right? Yeah. They're not putting us on those teams, on those special projects, on those high visibility opportunities that will help push us forward and let us break through or fail or whatever the case may be that we just ain't getting them. We're not even being tapped on the shoulder to begin with. And I think some of that comes from like how we rank or rate people with a little bit more melanin in their skin, yes. right? Uh-huh. And it may not necessarily seem like that big of a deal, but let's just say That's right. that in order for you to get nominated for programs or nominated for stretch assignments and whatnot, you have to be labeled as high potential or let's say key talent. Yes. Okay, I'm just mm-hmm. throwing out, you know, everybody right. ranks people differently. Mm-hmm. And they might rank you right below that. Yes. So you're good, you're good. but not just good enough good for those enough. other things, right? right? So now it has to be a bit of an act of Congress. So now there's a bit of a narrative about your ability to do work above your mm-hmm. your, your weight class, your weight so class, to speak, That's so right. to speak, right? So again, you never will have the opportunity to showcase those skills and that leadership ability because you're not ranked. You're not ranked properly. properly. That's right. Yeah. So look, man, the last one that I talk about in terms of issues faced by underrepresented employees, I mean, I'm just going to call out the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> I mean, look, man, it's either racism, one, sexism, two, homophobia, three. I mean, I can damn near drop the mic on this one. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it is what it is. We don't want to talk it about it a lot of times, but it exists. It exists. Okay. And the minute that you try to call someone out on it, now you playing the race card or you playing the gender card or, you know, whatever yeah. it is, like you're, you're playing that card. Right. But let's just be honest, it exists. And look, we're going to hit you with some secrets, you know, like we always do and some, and some receipts, but mm-hmm. it's always, it, it's, it's there. It's there. Like if it wasn't happening, there wouldn't be no secrets. It would look a lot different. There wouldn't be no secrets. That's right. <laughs> if the shit wasn't happening, we wouldn't have a platform to talk to y'all and put this stuff on blast. Right. No doubt. And as I reflect, the impact of all of these barriers at the end of the day is just exhaustion. Oh, man. Hey, look. Shout out to Risa Robinson real quick as she talked about black exhaustion. Black exhaustion. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what It's real. Is. We just tired, right? And... The follow-on effect of all of that is that you just see lower representation as a byproduct. That's why you don't see someone who looks like me in the numbers that it should be at those levels. Because you just exhaust. There's so much shit that we got to go through to even 
get there. I mean, think about it. We talked about the quicksand, man. Like some people just say, fuck it. Right. You know, they get to the quicksand, they be like, man, I try, I forget it. You know, right. how many people gave up like the profession of choice? You know, like their passion, and they just said, "You know what? I'm gonna do something else. I'm done. You know what I'm I mean? Done. I'm just gonna do something else. That's like, right. It's just I, I can't take it. That's right. Because anyway. we all have to be Jordans. How many Jordans are out there? Not many. Not many. You know? Yeah. I think the moral of the story for me, though, Keith, is getting more underrepresented employees into the executive ranks. It's gonna require like systemic changes. Mm-hmm. Like we can't just talk about it, right? You know, it's gonna be systemic changes. We can't just do. The performative, you yes. know, stuff. Yeah. Okay. Those hashtags. Performative stuff. Shout out to Amber Cabral. I look, look. I'm, I'm dropping names like a. I'm, there we I'm, go. Like I'm game. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm dropping names, but look, these folks have talked to us about what this is. They've mm-hmm. given it some names, right? And it has to be sy- systemic changes. It can't just be performative or like these one-off acts. Hey, yeah. I helped this one person out. Mm-hmm. That's Give me right. some I credit. Help Ricky out. Give me some credit. Look at him. Yeah, yeah. Give me some credit. Yeah. And then I'm over there tap dancing. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? No, we can't be that. We can't be that. We call that tokenism. So, people. but look, Keith, I mean, look, man, I know we've been up here. I told you I was going to be emotional about this a little bit, right? Because <laughs> I'm still a little fragile, right? My mind is still, because we're, we're talking about that generational wealth. Yes. So my mind, I'm a little fragile because I'm, I'm thinking about what could have been. Now, I'm grateful for what I have. Right. But what could could have been. Could have been. You a, know? Sh- a shoulda. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. How so about that? so but but forget about the emotional, you know, part of this. Let's just hit them with the receipts. We'll Kate. hit them with the receipts. And today we'll share some receipts on a couple of those realities faced by underrepresented employees trying to become executives. And then we'll also share some receipts on the pathway of how you become an executive. Mm. So I'll start out with re- receipt number one. Out of 500 current Fortune 500 CEOs, just five are black, while 466 are white. Mm, mm, mm. Right? 466. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry, but 466. Out of 500. So if you add five to that. That's 471. <laughs> and so you got a few more, you know, a couple of our Hispanic and Asian brothers. Yeah, yeah. And sisters. So this ain't just about black people. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's a whole bunch of melanin that should be mad. Right. (laughs) Everybody BIPOC should be mad. And according to data collected by the Wall Street Journal, just 1% of all CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are black. A statistic that's been trending downward over the last decade. Given everything that we've been going through, the number's still going down. And from 2000 to 2010, the percentage of black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies doubled from 0.06% to 1.2% before falling back to 1% in 2020. Mm, mm, mm. So here we go. Asian American CEOs have risen slowly over the past two decades, going from 1.8% in 2000 to 2.4% in 2020. 20 years. Yes, in 20 years. And Hispanic CEOs have seen a slightly greater rise going from 1% in 2000 to 3.4% in 2020. Right? Now, I don't think they could be singing George Jefferson's Moving On Up. No, no. I don't think exactly. that's moving on up. I don't right. think that's moving on up. Right. I mean, you're not even close to double digits. <laughs> but we're talking about we're talking about from 466 to 500. Right. <laughs> Like right. if we're if we're really right, you know, spitting this spitting. This, this this truth. Yes, 
It's not a lot. The rise of female CEOs in Fortune 500 companies has been much better. That's probably seen the biggest increase over the last two decades. But again, I mean, in 2000, there were two women who were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in 2000. There are now 37 women, thank goodness, as of August 2020. That's a leap of over 18 times. But if you think about it, women are 50% of the population. We got 37 out of the Fortune 500. That number is still way too fucking low. I mean, 500. <laughs> when we're, like, if we're not talking about 200 or whatever it right. is, like, 250. we're not even in the conversation. We're not even in the conversation. No, not man. at all. So, look, Keith, I mean, as mad as I am about receipt number one, I got another one for you, right? So, receipt number two, black professionals overall, okay, this is something for you to, to mm-hmm. dissect here. Black professionals in 2018 held just 3.3% of all executive or senior leadership roles, which are defined as within two reporting levels of the CEO. And this is according to the U.S. Equal Opportunity Commission. Further, those most often promoted to CEO or named to corporate boards usually have held one or more specific titles like CEO, CFO, and regional divisional president in charge of business units that deliver significant profits to the company overall. So those are the three titles. Them the ones. Them the ones. That's it. The holy grail right there. CEO, CFO, or BU president. Right. And if not that, (laughs) we're saying it ain't going to happen. And that's a big BU president. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I think as we're... Thinking about that, I mean, it's kind of sad. Yeah. But among Fortune 100 companies this year, black professionals account for just 3% of CEOs, 1% of CFOs, and 3% of profit leaders like division presidents, according to the Stanford Corporate Governance Research Initiative. While black professionals account for comparatively high percentage of chief HR officers, that's like 13%. And chief administrative executives, that's 43%. So the chances of being promoted from there to a CEO or a board role are slim to none. Slim to none. <laughs> exactly. And that's where they put us. Right, right. Black people and other BIPOC people, right? They, we all get these, you know, HR or other administrative roles. and So you get the buttered biscuit, but you don't get the platter. right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You don't get that that piece of chicken. No, nah, you ain't gonna get the big piece. You ain't gonna get the big piece. They're gonna give you like all. the neck, that's the right. back. You know what I'm saying? The they gizzard. Gonna, yeah, yeah. They're gonna give you that part of the chicken. They ain't gonna give you the good piece. That's right. No doubt. Receipt number three: A recent Forbes survey showed that personal drive and ambition were the top personal characteristics that separated folks in reaching the top. Right. And Ricky talked about this a little bit earlier. Putting in long hours in highly stressful situations is a hallmark of reaching the executive ranks. Mm -hmm. This is the pathway. This is the receipt we're talking about, the pathways now, right? On top of that, excellent communication and listening skills, as well as the ability to build strong networks and community, were also cited as key personal attributes to reaching the top. So, again— this is all about sacrifice. Yeah. 
The Make cost. It, the cost. The cost of leadership. The cost of leadership. Yeah. And if you're not willing to do these things or don't possess these personal attributes, it's hard to break through. We're yeah. just keeping it real. Yeah. We both know, you know, what it costs us. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, that's why we're talking to you. Right. <laughs> so that you can, right. you know, make the right informed decision. Exactly. About and this is the data. The data mm-hmm. don't lie. So look, receipt number four and the last one here is according to The Economist magazine, a waiting stage usually accompanies the pursuit of an executive position, which we saw. Yes. You know, Keith, you talked yep. about that, yep. right? So because it often takes several years for employees to get their first executive job, mm-hmm. people who remain with one company for several years may have an advantage over employees who don't. It usually takes longer for employees to get an executive job when they work for several companies along the way. The magazine also indicated that frequent job changes usually don't move as far up the executive hierarchy as employees do when they advance their careers with one company. Yeah, and that's the tough dilemma, right? Right. That's the balance that you're playing. It's like you have more chance of moving up when you're with one company, but if they're screwing you, it's hard to stay with them and, like, want to be there mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end of the day. But, hey. <laughs> but again, this is when we talk about knowing when and how to leave your job. Yes. You know, we talk about the importance of knowing your your market value, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. Because, again, your current company may be asking you to check 10 boxes. Right. Externally, they might say, hey, we cool with you having these six checked. And we good. You That's know, right. So, but again... You got to weigh that. You got to weigh all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that leads us into the secrets today. Look, today we'll provide a double dose of secrets on what you can do to reach the executive ranks and how companies help underrepresented employees reach the top. You know, here are the three secrets that you can take to reach the executive ranks. Number one, you will have to make big sacrifices. Number two, it will require patience and persistence. And number three, be prepared to leave. Yeah. Those are some good ones. And secret number one, again, you have to be prepared to make big sacrifices. Getting to the executive ranks means that you will have to make some lifestyle and professional choices at the end of the day. Long hours, limited weekends and family time, potentially significant travel. You're going to have to hang out with your colleagues and senior executives. All of that stuff is part of the game. And if you're not willing to do that or able to do that, your window of opportunity is smaller and smaller in order to get to the executive ranks. Not saying that it's impossible, but the window is smaller. Yeah. So it's a game here. And look, I didn't make the rules. Didn't make the rules. But once I figured out how to play the game, right, therein lies secrets. Absolutely. And (laughs) until there's enough of us. At that level to change the game, right? this is the game. The paradigm is what it is until we can change it. I mean, I think that's a great, you know, secret there is you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Yes. You got to figure it out. Look, man, secret number two, it's going to require patience and persistence, okay? Mm-hmm. The salary band right now, in terms of being below the executive band, is one of the hardest to get out of. Yeah, right below. One of the hardest, right? It's like sitting in purgatory, Right. You don't know if you're going to heaven or hell, man. There you you go. just you just sitting <laughs> you just there. You sitting there. You waiting. Man. You just waiting, right? You just waiting. Look, looking around, seeing like, wait, I'm number ten in line now. Well, wait, now I'm number fifteen. Like, right. you know, like 
You just in line. You're okay. In line. So it requires a lot of patience and persistence. You may have to take a lateral move or two, you know, even in this particular band before you can move forward. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go the extra mile to vie for a spot. And we're talking like the yeah. spots at that level are limited. They limited. Okay. Because at the end of the day, there's usually a limited number of executive spots that open up each year. Mm-hmm. And to open up something else, this is an act of Congress. You got to oh, get totally. that. That's got to get voted on. Got to be when voted you, on. When you get another VP or when you get ready to release more stock options, right. you know, all of that right. type of stuff. It's not just as simple as, hey, let's just go ahead and make Ricky and Keith VPs. Mm-hmm. You know, so so companies don't just add executive jobs because they have some high performing and deserving people out there. Everybody deserves something at That's the end right. of the day, That's right? right? Yep. Purgatory is the time to overperform. When you're in that role, you got to just keep on That's showing right. out, mm-hmm. right? Lean on those networks and hopefully catch the eye of a sponsor. Yeah. Now, we talked about well, all the sponsor all stuff. All that stuff. But this is like the meat and potatoes here of what you should be doing. Before you get to the spot. Yes, that's right. That's what's going to break it open for you. And our third secret for you individually, again, you got to be prepared to leave. You yeah. know, sometimes it's too much to sit in purgatory. We all understand that, right? Painful. <laughs> Painful, right? So you have to take charge of your career. And at the end of the day, that may mean leaving for another opportunity, right? So when you're in purgatory, this is a great time to get your marketing collateral tight, get your mouthpiece right, and also invest in yourself. Get that executive coaching and any other professional development that you can get at this point to get yourself executive ready, Mm -hmm. right? And again, this is all about giving yourself some optionality in case things don't go your way with the current company that you're with, right? And you can actually go out and start interviewing and you can use that external job offer if you don't want to leave. You can at least use external job offer as leverage to negotiate that elevation to an executive role. And again, I know what we're talking about makes some people feel uncomfortable, you know, but it ain't nothing worse than finding out what people think and you don't act on it. That's right. <laughs> you know That's what I'm right. saying? Like, That's right. you, like we again, we talked about what all needs to be true. What all for needs you to, to move be forward. true. Once you get the answers and then you don't act on it, right? It's on you. It's on you. It's That's absolutely. Right. That's and look, right. we promised a double dose of secrets today. So here are three secrets on what companies can do to help underrepresented employees break through to the executive ranks. So I'm gonna start out with number one here mm-hmm. is. Make sure your talent pipelines and succession plans have at least 50% representation by underrepresented employees. Mm -hmm. Women make up a little more than 50% of the population. BIPOC people are nearly 35%. And LGBTQ+, it's roughly like 10%. Okay? So... Getting that 50% ain't that damn hard. It is. <laughs> you know? So so shouldn't our talent, you know, management systems reflect that? Yeah. I mean, so in my mind, what I'm thinking is this intentionality. Yeah. It has to be representative of what's out there, the that's talent right. that's out that's right. there. Don't be lazy. Right. Be intentional about setting these systems and processes up. A second secret is you can have to also be intentional about providing opportunities for underrepresented employees to lead, right? Let's just say 
the next 10 task force or next 10 special committees or special project teams that you create, why don't you tap an underrepresented colleague in your company to lead that effort? Mm-hmm. And more importantly than just tapping them on the shoulder, actually give them the resources necessary to succeed. I mean, this is kind of <laughs> like what we're talking about doing uh, the right thing yes. versus the white thing. Yes. Like, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Look, look, Keith, I, I think as easy as we're making it seem, there's some leaders out there and we know, you know, some of our leaders and we appreciate you, but you got to get out your own way. Got to get out the way. <laughs> and just do the right thing. So look, finally, I think we need to be able to provide leadership development and coaches specifically targeted to various affinity groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the intentionality. Yeah. There is value in your black leaders hearing and learning from the experiences of other black leaders. Yeah. I mean, and this can go for every affinity group. Every but again, affinity group out we're talking there. about being what you can see, see, you know, and learning from someone who's has shared experiences. Absolutely. And we all have different languages within our affinity groups. I, we, Ricky and I talk mm-hmm. differently amongst ourselves. You hear it on the podcast a little bit, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like code switching. It's that code switching piece. <laughs> And all of that language and everything else that just goes along with it that gives us a confidence level to be able to be the best that we can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So look, Keith, look, man, we didn't gave everybody a whole bunch of information. A whole today, bunch right? of that. And look, I told y'all I had to I told you up front, I'm a little sensitive. I'm a little fragile when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. You know, a little fragile. No doubt. But again, you can find more resources on these secrets that we just provided you and the receipts that we provided earlier that we shared today with you on our website. And also look at those show notes for each episode. They're right there for you to click on and just find out more. Keep and look, and Janelle, she works hard on those. She, she does. My girl, That's Janelle. Right. Janelle Jack, shout out to Janelle. There we go. No, she, she, she works hard on those. But look, I want to give a shout out first and foremost to all of our listeners and fans out there. You have made all of this possible for us. We done went from 1,500 to 2,000, you know, listeners to 10,000, mm-hmm. okay? And in just a little over a year. Yes, I mean, you, yep, just not a year. Not even a year yet, just a you year. know, almost, right? And season three, I mean, we promise you it will not disappoint. And be sure, I know we say this every week, but review on Apple or buy some of this merchandise, right? We yeah. want we want to make sure we know what you think. We want to know what you like, you know, all of those things, so we can just keep giving more of it to you. That's right. And again, at the end of the day, Ricky and I want to help you get that coin and get your seat at the table. Absolutely. So again, we're happy to provide coaching services. We're happy to provide that training, you know, for your company. You know, design those courses for you so that people can see themselves and understand it in a language that that resonates with them. So, again, check out our website for more information. Get that merch, write that review. Look, KP, I think we're giving our listeners some great advice on how to break through to the executive ranks. Now it's about that time for us to break open another bottle Ooh. and refill these cups because there is no more ice in mine. There's none in mine. <laughs> so, There's no liquid in it either. <laughs> so thanks for listening uh, to Secrets. And remember, everybody, when we share, you transform. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. 
In fact, one listener said that Secrets makes me smarter every time I listen, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out on the web at www.secrets.com. That's www.c-cretes.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!